turn to the book of John. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, John is, has four categories in it. Uh, the very first category is the introduction. And then there is the next 12 chapters is called the book of signs. Uh, there are seven signs inside of that uh, dose of chapters, if you will, that point to Jesus Christ being the Son of God. And then uh, the very next chapter, uh, set of books inside of the book of John are the books of exaltation. And then he ends with an epilogue. And so what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to unpack that book of signs. And so the very first sign um, it took place uh, in Cana uh, at a wedding. And so the subtitle, if you will... Uh, is the uh, inviting Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you can title your notes, the book of signs, inviting Jesus. And uh, I want to talk to you today about what happens when you invite Jesus. I don't know if anyone has ever said, Jesus, I need you today. Have you ever gotten in your car and say, I need you? You ever go to work and say, I need you. Anytime you say, I need you, uh, you express that. Three things happen straight away. They happen every single time. Every time you say those words, I need you. Anytime you invite him into a situation, three things happen every single time. And uh, so we're going to figure out what those three things are together, and we're going to unpack it uh, by reading the Word of God. John chapter 2, verse 2, if you didn't bring your Bibles, no worries, the Scriptures will be on the screens. Okay, so here we go. On the third day, now let me just say this, this is just for free. Anytime you read something like that in the Bible where it says on the third day, or on the second day, on the fourth day, those days are counted from the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was on Saturday. It was the day of rest. We still rest on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. Hopefully you guys are resting on, on Saturday. Now, day one on the first day would be Sunday. Day two would be Monday. Day three would be... There you go. All right, day two would be Tuesday. So this happened on the third day, which is Tuesday. And, and there's a still a lot of Jewish... Um, people that follow these customs and they get married on Tuesday evening or Tuesday afternoon. But nevertheless, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come, has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast 
tasted the water, now become wine, he did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, I like how he says that, they drunk freely. In other words, after they were plastered, (laughs) then you bring out the cheap stuff because everybody knows drunk people don't know the difference between expensive wine and cheap wine. So just... Put the good stuff first. He says this, But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Three things to expect anytime you invite Jesus into your life, into a situation, into your marriage, into your day, into a project. Three things to expect. Number one is Jesus will cost you. He will cost you. Jesus was invited to the wedding. He showed up with 12 others. Let me just get a show of hands real quick. How many of you have thrown a party and you needed a head count before you started? Come on, let me see your hands. Why do you need a head count? You need to know how much food, how much drink, how many seats you should prepare for. Jesus and his disciples, they contributed to the consumption They ran out in part because of the number of people that Jesus brought. Thirteen people can eat a lot and they can drink a lot. Some people are like, I don't think that Jesus drank wine. Of course he did. He actually served it in his last supper. He said, I'm not going to go into that. But of course he did. And so when you invite Jesus to the wedding, you invite him to your party. He is going to cost you something. I just want to share with you, you may not invite Jesus to the next wedding, but there's no doubt when you invite him into your life, he's going to cost you something. He doesn't just show up and there's not a cost. In fact, when Jesus was talking, he looked at the multitude and he said, be like an expert builder and count the cost before you build. In other words, before you go off and invite me into your life, count the cost. Are you sure you want me in your life? Count the cost. I remember when I called up Allie's dad. I don't even know if she knows this. I called up her dad 15 years ago and I said, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he said, are you sure? And I said, well, I don't know now that you asked me that. (laughs) Count the cost. Make sure you know what it is. In 1 Peter chapter 2, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain 
from sinful desires which wage against your soul. This is a cost. If you have flesh on your body, there are certain things that you want to do that your spirit knows is wrong. Your heart knows. Peter is saying this, hey, you've got to abstain for those. Push those desires back. Let me ask you a question. Are you sure you want to invite Jesus into your life if that means there are certain things that you want to do that you can no longer do? Are you sure you want to do that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Therefore, come out and be separate, says the Lord. So the Lord is saying this, I'm so happy that you've invited me into your life. I knew you while you were in your mother's womb. I knew you before I created the world. I died for you. I'm thrilled that you have invited me into your life. But I want you to be separate. I want you to be Christ-like. I want you to be holy as I'm holy. I want you to strive to be different. My son last year was in children's department and he got in trouble and I found out about it. And we had a serious discussion at home about it. A very serious discussion. And uh, I, I told him, I said, Luke, you represent me. You represent your mother. More your mother in these situations than me. But <laughs> you, you represent us. And, and the Lord looks at us and he's saying, I want you to be separate. I, you represent me. How you talk. How, how you act. How you respond. How you dress. You re, you, I want you to be separate. And so it's going to cost you. Do you really want to call yourself a Christian? Do you really want Jesus at the wedding? Do you, when you say, Jesus, I want you in my life, are you sure? Listen to this. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 4, it says, Remove the impurities from silver and the sterling. Everybody say sterling. And the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. I remember when I read this, uh, a lot of times when I can't sleep at night, I do the same thing. I grab my cell phone and uh, I read it until I fall asleep. And uh, I remember when I read this verse, it just, it just became alive to me. And it dawned on me that when sterling is clean, the silversmith shows up. A lot of times we ask... For God to show up. I need you to show up. Do you see what is happening? Have you ever wanted to pray like this? Or you have prayed like this? Do you see? Who cares about the planets? I'm talking about... Do you see? I need you to do something. Anyone? Are you awake? Are you with me? Breathe so I know. Either give me, give me, a, give me a Pentecostal oh yeah or a Baptist nod. Either one will work. There you go. Either one of them will work. 
I felt the Lord tell me this when I read that scripture. Hey, you want me to get involved in your life. There's certain things in your life that you know I don't like. I want you to start, I want you to start getting those things out. And I'll show up. I'll get more involved. Yes, yes, you're saved. Yes, you're my son. Yes, I've got a place for you. But you're asking for me to get involved now. You're asking for me to do more than prepare a place for you. You're asking for me to get involved. You want the silversmith to show up, clean up the draws. It's going to cost you something. Uh, there's a, a, a preacher that uh, I, I deem to be in my top five. His name is, is Jack Hayford. He's well into his 80s right now. And I remember when I was in Bible college and I was at a conference and he was speaking. And he told a story about when he was nine. And I never forgot it. And so I want to share it with you. Uh, he said it was over 70 years ago uh, where I was nine years old and I came home from my friend's house. I had spent the whole day at my friend's house. And my mother looked at me and said, Jack, I just, I just feel like you've been up to some mischief. And I was like, oh, is that how your mom says it? Let me tell you how a Brazilian mother says it. But anyway, she, uh, my mother's Brazilian, my father's Italian, and neither one of them say mischief. <laughs> but anyway, she said, Jack, I, I feel like you've been up to some mischief. Um, what have you been doing at your friend's house? But before you answer, I just want you to remember that Jesus is standing right here. I never forgot that. Because Jack's like... Jesus is standing right here. Here's what we have to remember. That when we invite Jesus into our life, Jesus is standing right here. Are you okay with that? Here's the first, the first thing that is, it's gonna cost you something. Here's number two. Um, uh, let, let me just, uh, say this. When it costs you something, before I move on to point number two, when it costs you something, it, it's, it's the passion and the flame that, that he's cultivating on the inside of you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17, it says this, do not quench the spirit. And see, there's nothing, there's nothing worth quenching the spirit. I, for the first time in my life, I looked up the definition of quench last Thursday. I, I looked up the definition and this is what it read. To extinguish or rapidly cool. And see, in the Bible, Paul tells Timothy, there's a flame inside of you because the Bible says that his Holy Spirit is a consuming fire. So there's a flame inside of you. And Paul tells Timothy, fan that flame. See, every time you pray, every time you worship, every time you're obedient, every time you make a decision that's right, even though nobody else is looking, you're cultivating that flame. He says, I want you to cultivate that flame on the inside of you. But here in 1 Thessalonians, it says, don't quench it. Don't, don't put it out. Amen. Have you guys ever looked at a candle and went... Yeah. You ever done that before? Tss. That's quenching. And, and the Bible's saying, hey, you've got a flame inside of you. you. You've got a passion inside of you. But 
fan that flame. Every time you worship, every time you pray, every, every time you're... But, but don't, whatever you do, don't... Don't put it out. Don't do something that you know he doesn't like and... Don't, don't put it out. Is this good, Francine? Don't put it out. And, and so this is, it's going to cost you something. Are you okay with that? Let me just, let me just be the pastor that, that shares the whole gospel. Yes, the Lord has prepared a place for you. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he's here to save you. Yes, he's full of mercy. But listen to me, it's going to cost you something. Are you okay with that? What is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you those moments where your flesh wants to do something and live a certain way, but your spirit knows it's wrong. You know what I've learned about the most deadly sins? The most destructive sins are the sins that we're most defensive about. I've got somebody in my family. He's got this relationship every time I talk to him about this relationship he gets very defensive because in his eyes the relationship is fine but in nobody else's eyes is it fine but we're all wrong and he's right and the one that you're most defensive about is the most destructive and a lot of times when you don't know what's right or what's wrong, ask somebody who's not emotionally involved. And don't just all of a sudden assume that they're wrong just because they don't agree with you. Are you with me? Well, you're clearly not hearing from the Lord. Number two, the Lord will partner with you. So number one, it's going to cost you something. And number two, he will partner with you. Mary looked at the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do. What Mary knew is that if Jesus is going to do anything, he is not going to do it by himself. He wants to do it with you. What's fascinating is that the servants had to Accept the fact that they were about to be involved. That, that he wants to work with them. He looked at the servants and he said, I want you to go over there and grab those water pots. And I want you to fill them with water. Now what's so interesting about this story. I've talked about this part before. Is that a lot of times you'll be praying about A. And God will ask for obedience in B. They don't have anything to do with each other. And so you're asking for wine and he says, give me water. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think you heard me. They both start with W, but they're very different. I'm asking for wine. You're talking about water. A lot of times when you're asking God for, let's say, for an example, a breakthrough in your finances, all of a sudden he'll ask you to be kind to somebody who's being a jerk. And you and I think that they're not related at all, but they actually are very related. How are they related? Well, Mary and the servants had a need in this particular area of their life. Jesus is not interested in being involved in one area of your life. 
He's interested in being involved in your entire life, including that area, but your entire life. And so sometimes something will come to mind that seems so unrelated to this prayer request over here. And I just want to let you know, it may feel unrelated, but it is very much related to your relationship with God. So he looks at the servants and he says, "Um, I know you want wine, and I know wine is kept in animal skins or vats, but I want to talk to you about these pitchers over here. I want to talk to you about these big, huge bowls over here. We should put some water in this area over here. And and they needed to be obedient about it. It's very interesting because the Lord will bring things to your mind. He wants to work with you. Let me see if I can give you an example. My wife and I brought a contractor out to our house last week to do some work. And he gave us a bid. He did the work. And about 95% through with the job, he was about 95% through with the job, he tells us, hey, the job is actually going to cost significantly more. Really? It's that one minor detail. It's going to cost significantly more. So my wife tells me this. And you ever get news and you get sweaty? Have you ever done that? Well, you don't sweat? <laughs> you get sweaty. It's just like... And see, when you're bald, everybody knows. It's like... <laughs> so it's going to cost significantly more. And so I'm thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Tell him I want to talk to the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk. Tell him. And, and so Allie's like, no, I'm not giving you the number. <laughs> So I'm ticked. And so finally I was like, you know what? I, I don't need this in my life. I don't need, I, I, just give him the money. Give him the money. And just let him move on with his life. Let us move on with our life. Give him the money. All right? I go to sleep. Next morning, my usual routine, get up in the morning, real early in the morning to pray. I can't pray because I'm mad. Oh, you're going to act like you're holy today. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Don't know. I, I, I don't know. I have no problem praying, really. I just... Okay. All right. All right. Okay, so I can't pray because I'm mad. And so... I, and I got this thing. If I think about it, I pray about it. I say, God, you see, I'm having trouble praying right now. I'm having trouble praying because I'm mad at this guy. You see what he's doing? He quoted... It, and so I'm mad and I'm upset. And so I feel like when I'm praying, while I'm praying, I start having this conversation with the guy... In my mind, and I feel like the Lord is trying to show me how to deal with the problem. So I was like, that's not the way I want to deal with the problem, but I'll deal with it like that. I'll give it a shot. So I leave my prayer time. I call the guy up and I say, just like I felt it in my prayer room. I said, hey, how are you? I said, look, here's the thing. Um, You quoted quite a bit more, and I just want to let you know. I'm going to give you the money that you're asking for. But I just want you to know I've got a lot of indigestion with it. And I just want to ask you this one question. And after you answer this question, I'm going to make sure that you get your check. Does this sound fair to you? If you're me, does this sound fair? Now before you answer, just know... 
whatever you say, I'm going to give you your money. If you say, yes, this is fair, then I'm going to write you a check. But let me just ask you, does it sound fair to you? And the guy goes, well, let's see if we can work something out. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> let's see. It ended up working out very, very well. I hung up the phone. I thought, well, God, that kind of worked out pretty good. <laughs> can I just tell you that whatever the problem is, God does not want to work in your life without working through your life. He wants to partner with you. And Mary knew this. Mary knew this. She came to Jesus and she said, I need some help. And then she's like, hey, guys, whatever he says, she already knew. Which brings me to this question. How did she know? The Bible says that this was his first public miracle. How was she so sure? How was she so confident? It was, she just says, do whatever he says. And then she walks away. How is she so confident? Here's what I think. I think that the Bible is exactly right. That this was his first public miracle. She lives with him. I'm thinking that there were some private miracles going on in the house. It wouldn't be the first time that something was happening in private before it happened in public. Let me give you an illustration. Moses was, you know where I'm going. Moses was standing before God. And God told him, go stand in front of Pharaoh and represent me in so many words. The Pharaoh was like a king. And Moses was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's going to listen to me. I don't believe that he's going to believe me. I don't. He goes, okay, Moses, Moses, this is okay. First, take your hand. I got it. Put it in your coat. Okay. Pull it out. It turned to leprosy. Put your hand back in your coat. Pull it back out. Oh, it's better again. That was awesome. Okay, you see your staff? Yeah. Pick it up. Throw it on the ground. Boom. It turns into a snake. Ah! Grab it by the tail. Yeah. Boom. Turn back into a staff again. All right. You see what we just did right there? I want you to go do those same exact things in front of Pharaoh. So if he did it with Moses. Come on, people. Let's just add two plus two. If he did it with Moses, don't you think Mary was sitting around the dinner table and after the brothers and sisters went to bed, Jesus was like. <laughs> Probably not that exact miracle. <laughs> Probably not that exact one. But here's the point. Some of you are like, yeah, what is the point? Here, here's the point. When you spend time in private with the Lord, you're a lot more confident when you get into public. When you spend time, and I just want to let you know, when you feel God pulling you to pray, you say it's just one sentence. Yeah, when you feel that one sentence pulling, when you feel the Lord say, hey, you got 20 minutes of drive time. Take the phone, throw it underneath your seat. Turn the radio off. Talk to me for 20 minutes. Hey, get up in the morning. You know, you know what's happening? 
The Lord is saying, I want to spend some private time with you. See, some of you in this room have been praying for God to do something in the church. For God to move mightily in the church. For people to be prayed for and they're healed in their bodies. For people to be prayed for and miracles to happen. Is that, who am I talking to? Raise your hand. I want to know who I'm talking to. The, we're asking for these kind of prayers. To be able to take somebody's hand and pray for them. And they're healed and their marriage gets better. You're asking for public things. But the Lord is saying, I want to do those things too. But I need you to come spend some private time with me before we start doing some public stuff. I want to encourage you. Set your alarm clock. Get up earlier. Set some time alone with God. Let Him hear your voice. Let Him him hear your worship as a solo. And, And then you can do a choir on Sunday morning. But do a solo at your own time. Because He wants to do that. He wants to see you respond to His private requests. Let me see if I can illustrate how we respond to the private requests. Um, uh, Lloyd, why don't you come on up here? Lloyd's a, a great friend of mine. Him and his wife, Roxanne, have been a part of our church for years and years. Uh, Lloyd, um, I want you to... Anyone here like sweet tea? Come on. Sweet tea's from heaven. Raise your hands. <laughs> Arizona sweet tea, no less. Uh, Lloyd, I, I need you to uh, pour me a, a glass of tea. Um, and uh, while you're pouring that glass of tea, John, why don't you come on up here as well? Because um, I want to see if I can illustrate um, this, this, uh, this point. Thank you, Lloyd. Um, John, I want you to pour me a, a glass of tea as well, please. So they both poured me a glass of tea. But, but one of them filled it up to the brim. The other one <laughs> did not. Let's give John a round of applause. All right. You can go ahead and sit down. Thank you, Lloyd. You can go ahead and sit down. Um, Lloyd's a good sport, you know, and between the services, I was like, I'll find somebody to help us between the services, John, just give me a chance. I saw Lloyd come in. I'm like, Lloyd would be a good sport. Um, and so we, we asked Lloyd to come up here, but you know, it's just so interesting, um, that he didn't fill it up to the brim. And in the Bible, Jesus said, go fill those water pots with water. And the servants went and filled, and the Bible says they filled it to the brim. You know, if we're going to be obedient, why don't we do it zealously? Let's have zealous obedience. If we're going to be obedient in this area of our life, let's be obedient in this area of our life as well. Uh, The Bible calls our body a vessel. And, And when we worship, let's worship up to the brim. Can we do that? When we, when we pray, let's, let's pray up to the brim. Let's be zealous about our prayer. Let's be zealous about our worship. Yes, we can bring in a, a halfway worship. 
worship, but we could also have the option of being zealous about our worship. If you're going to read the Bible, if you're going to try to take it in, do it zealously up to the brim, all the way up. I'm telling you, there's people everywhere just kind of half step in their relationship with the Lord. But let God look down and see Celebration Church that when we worship, we go up to the brim with it. We're, we're obedient up to the brim. Our whole heart, everything we have is given to Him up to the brim. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday. Not just with our relationships, but with our finances as well. And I got like three amens on that. You know, let's be obedient in every area of our life. In every single, every, let's do it up to the brim. And I want to tell you, for those of you that play sports, there's no feeling like walking off of a court or walking off of a field or, or coming out of a business meeting and having the peace or, or going to an interview and you just like, you know. You gave it your best. And if it doesn't come through, you're at peace because you know you gave it your best. That's called giving up to the brim. I want to encourage you, don't hold back. Fill it up to the brim. Can we all pray for Lloyd right now? (laughs) All right. Point number three. And in my last and closing point, number one is Jesus will cost you. Number two is Jesus wants to partner with you. And then number three, he wants to flow through you. He wants to flow through you. You know, Jesus told the servants, I want you to take and draw from it. And I want you to bring it to the master. What do you want me to do? I want you to take the water out and bring it to... They're carrying water. And they're going to serve it. It's supposed to be wine. Have you ever been in a situation where you know you don't have what you're supposed to have? Come on, fill in the blanks there. You don't have what you need to have. You don't have what you need to have. Do you need everything? Come on, somebody. Wave at me. Nod at me. Give me a Baptist mm -hmm, something. Point at somebody. If you're okay, say this crying, okay? Point at somebody. You don't have what you need to have, and you're walking, going through the motions with your fingers crossed. And he's looking back at Jesus. He's looking back at Jesus, and... Still carrying water. He takes the water. He's about to test the water. Slow motion. The only one that's not freaking out is Mary. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She just knows what will eventually happen. See, now that's, that's, man, if you could just catch that one piece right there. 
You don't know what's going to happen today. You don't know if it's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if it's it, it. I don't know what your it is. I don't know if it is going to happen this week or next week. But eventually God's going to turn the tide. I think I'm doing okay this morning. Is this okay? Am I doing all right? Is this okay? See, it's very interesting because... Jesus was not just interested in answering Mary's request. See, to Mary, the big issue was water and wine. Jesus was concerned about the water and wine because Mary's concerned about it. Whatever you're concerned about, Jesus is concerned about. But Jesus has a much bigger concern than just water and wine. He's got 12 disciples that are on edge about whether or not they're following the right guy. Have you ever met somebody that's not sure about church? Is there anyone here like that? You come in, you're like... Why is she so loud? Why you got to clap so loud? Why is your hands in the air? Why is the preacher yelling? I'm sitting right here. You're so on edge. Well, that's the disciples. They haven't seen him do one miracle. They're like. Jesus is concerned about the water and wine, but he's concerned about these 12 people that Mary knows. And he wants their hearts to be given to him. It's more than just water and wine. He wants the servants. He wants the disciples. And I just want to let you know, he does care about your situation. But it's more than just your situation. He cares about who you're living life with. That's why I say every Sunday, hey, invite your family. Invite your friends. I do it all the time. I bring guests to church all the time. Why? He does care about my needs and Allie's needs. But he's looking at our friendship circle going, I'm kind of, I want them. I want them. And, and what's, what's important to you I'm going to make important, but I need what's important to me to be important to you because we're going to work together here. So let me ask you a question in conclusion. It's going to cost you something. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with the fact that he's going to want to partner with you? He's going to put ideas and thoughts and desires in your mind and, and he's going to work with you. And then number three is... What is number three? Jesus will flow through you. That was just testing you. Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? You know, I've got this thought um, that I've been entertaining. I want to share it with you. Why don't we stop? being impressed by the size of our problems. Doesn't that sound good? Thank you, Pastor. Let's stop being impressed by the size of our problems. Because whatever our problem is, it's like smaller than a grain of salt to the Lord. He can blow that problem away easier than you can blow a grain of salt off the table. 
Everybody do that. Don't blow on her ear. I just... It's that easy for the Lord.